Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, Elder Candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. Still. Still. Elder Candidate. Perpetual. You said you guaranteed me at one point two weeks. I didn't guarantee you, you pretty two much weeks. guaranteed me two weeks. Uh, that was for draft one. I, I even guaranteed. Have, I guaranteed draft one. I, I have non-Christians who are like asking me like, hey, is Jimmy done with his elder candidacy yet? I'm there. I'm almost there. All I'm right. almost there. I'm almost right, there. Let's get that wrapped up, man. I know. I Vacation's over now. <laughs> Gotsta. Gotsta. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, lots to do. Holy smoke. It's like, you know... Church and ministry and all that is, of course, busy, but uh, it's family life that's so busy now with the yeah. kids getting older and all kinds of things going on. Man, um, it's kind of nice to sit down and just to record with my fofo. And I love being here with the JoJo. You know, we just mm. sit down, chill out a little bit, and then talk about whatever's on our mind. I like it. I, I love it. So... Um Obviously, we can't talk about what's going on in our lives because people don't like the banter. So yeah, let's just move uh, past that. A couple of no, people. No, no, I don't want to talk about what's going on in my life. I don't want to talk about what's going on in your life. No, we let's can't. We're going to skip that. We're going to skip that because okay. that's just not, you know. It's a waste do, of time. It's, it's a waste, a waste of, time of their time for people. Yeah. I get it. I get it. Yeah. People are not really caring about what's going on with us. They just want yeah. what we can give them. Yeah. You know, I think, you know what, maybe, maybe it's, uh, I, I guess I should, we should be more understanding because if they don't have real friendships. You know where there is kind of that, banter. That's not it. That's no, I'm not saying it. that could Stop be a it. thing. That maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. They don't know it. what friendship is, whether you have banter. So maybe you know. Maybe they're just like I don't. Maybe they don't like it. No, nah, I don't think that's it. All right, so Joe, we're, we're we're gonna talk about what coming to Christ could be. Uh, could be that they're on the the lower register of the IQ scale. No, could that's that. not, that's not it. That's not it. Could so we're, we're talking about coming to Christ. Quit the quit with the banter. I'm not bantering. You're bantering. I'm asking. No, I'm I'm asking questions. We're gonna be discussing positing inquiries. So Joe. What what do we mean by coming to Christ? Haven't we already discussed regeneration? Where did this come from? We're just going right to it. I just want to get right to Who it. Who said we were even talking about that? I did. I said just we're going now? to talk about coming to Christ, oh, okay. and let's why don't we go ahead and you know jump right into it because it's important. People want to know. So what's the difference though? Like how haven't we already talked about this when we talked about regeneration? Yeah, we, we talked about evangel. I don't. I'll be honest with you. I totally. And you know me. I oh, have, I know you. I have no idea what we've recorded. Like no. I know we did an election. <laughs> I know we I did. Think we did election, yeah. We did. A, I, I can remember some of them. I do not remember what we record. But you I remember I do, that I said. Never mind. Keep going. I do remember that we recorded something on evangelism. Evangelism, but we also did one on regeneration. Did we? I don't even remember. Regeneration. But but we want. I thought it would be good for us to talk about coming to Christ. Yeah. In that we get to explore what is happening in an individual soul. Uh, by the work and the grace of God before their conversion and at their conversion. Like, what's actually happening? I mean, we can, do, we can talk about regeneration and say, well, it's yeah, a change yeah. of heart wrought by the Holy Spirit. You know, it's the, it's the dead man becoming spiritually alive. It's being born again. But what is going on, and how should that impact the way that we approach evangelism, the way that we approach sharing the gospel with people? What, how should it change our, our expectations, for example? So we're talking to then, I guess, yeah, I guess, uh, what's going on before, it's, or I guess, what is the work of God in the life of an unbeliever leading up to, leading up to salvation? Right. And I, I think, so basically, what is God doing? Um, and so this would be, uh, I, I guess, uh, kind of a, a, an experiential and practical conversation right. about regeneration 
what leads up to it and whatnot. And really what, I mean, this is, this is coming from, I guess on my end anyways, this is coming from a more Puritan understanding of how people come to Christ. And so two books that we want to encourage you guys to read. One is Solomon Stoddard's book, A Guide to Christ. And the other is Thomas Boston's The Art of Man Fishing, mm-hmm. which is not a title I would choose today. No, but, but it's still a great uh, book. It's a great book. It's a little book. Homeboy wrote it when he was very young, and he didn't live very long. But these are two books that you really want to pick up as you explore evangelism, because I think that it's easy for us to just sort of like, well, I know how to do evangelism because I took an EE class, Evangelism Explosion. I know how to ask the diagnostic question, and I know how to lead somebody in the sinner's prayer. I know how to hand out tracks. Right? You can track bomb people. Track and bomb. That's got a whole like plan in there for how they can come to Christ. And I'm not saying that all of that is inherently wrong, but I do think we need to have a better understanding of what's happening in an individual's soul. That will help us, I think, to communicate the gospel and to walk people, lead people, to Jesus. And so the Puritans had this understanding of how people come to Christ. And the basic idea was that um, they believed that nobody comes to Jesus in an instant. Essentially, they believed that God would do something in their soul, in their heart, before the work of of regeneration. So God was preparing the heart to and, receive. Right. And that's that's the word that they used was preparing or preparation. Sometimes it's called preparationism. Um, sometimes it's called seeking evangelism, uh, which is nothing like... The, like the, our seeker-friendly churches it's today. It's nothing like that. No, it's nothing yeah, like let's that. Let's make sure we have that clear distinction between the two. No, the, these are guys that would not remove crosses from the sanctuary, but would put crosses in the sanctuary. No, those are offensive. We can't have those up. Uh, kind of, the cross kind of turns me off, dude. Can we just like chill on that? Chill on the whole death motif? That would be nice. <laughs> Can't we just relax here? So... Um, and so read those books, and you'll you'll get an understanding of that. And I've written on this before, so I, I may clean up something and, and put it out there soon for you guys to look at. Um, maybe it'll be ready by the time this drops. I'm not really sure. But in short, uh, what I thought we could start with is, you know, you and I believe, Jimmy, that people are born spiritually dead. Yeah, that's right. Yep, absolutely. And, and what does that mean, to be born spiritually dead? To be, Yeah, be born spiritually dead, as I think that uh, because of our first parents, because of Adam and Eve— uh, because of their sin, uh, we are sin, like we sinned with them. Uh, and so we have this, we've inherited the sinful nature. It's not necessarily that, uh, it's all about the sinful actions per se, but it's that everything that we do is done without faith. It's not done pleasing God. Right. Um, and as such, we, we, and, but because of that, we cannot perfectly obey God's law. We cannot perfectly please God or love God or follow God. Uh, and that we, without salvation, without, uh, without restoration, without reconciliation with God, we are, uh, doomed. Right. We, we are doomed, uh, uh, to suffer, in eternity apart from God. Yeah, that's good. That's good, right? So to be spiritually dead, like you said, it's this, um, it's this condition of the soul mm-hmm. where we cannot please God. We're not living by faith. Uh, we're not submitting ourselves to the, the rule of God. And therefore, something needs to happen. And you mentioned a number of those mm-hmm. things, redemption, reconciliation. But fundamentally, if we're spiritually dead, we need to be made spiritually alive, right? Yeah. And so that's the work of regeneration that we've talked about before, mm-hmm. where God changes us internally. 
And uh, this is a change in our, our, our affections, our mind, and everything else. But before a person goes from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive, or when they are spiritually dead, dead before they are born again by the Spirit, or before they are converted, faith and repentance, um, is there anything that's happening to them prior to that big experience? Like when you when you think about how you came to faith in Christ on an experiential yeah, level, yeah. or the people that you've seen, did you were you able to observe or you were aware of things that were happening in your life or in an individual's life that preceded their faith in Jesus? I mean, I think for me personally uh, and experientially, I, I could I can think back to a few places in my past where I can, looking back on it, see that God was preparing my heart to receive him. I didn't believe, I didn't have faith, uh, I wasn't trusting in him or walking with him or even to that to a degree even wanting him. Um but I could see that as I look at those things that they were they were points in my life that God used to kind of push me along this path. And I mean, we got to make sure we understand like for people that are listening, um like Joe and I are going to be going up at this from a reform perspective, right? Like I, I believe that, that God is sovereign and that God, uh, kind of set the path before me to walk in a way to draw me to himself. And so I look at that and I think that's what we're talking about here is I'm thinking of like conversations that I've had with people. I'm thinking of, of, of experiences and, and trips that, uh, as I gazed and marveled at God's creation, uh, I began to ask certain questions of, well, is there something deeper here that's going on? Is is there something more that's happening here? Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question yeah. correctly because it's kind of hard. Like, how, you know, we don't really see that in scripture. That you know what I mean? Like to a degree of like very, very pinpointed and and obvious. Right. Of of well, all you we know, God see. saying, here's all these things that I'm doing. Like you look at Saul or Paul and you know, what's God doing here? You know what I'm doing? Yeah, I think you can see in some of the narratives that God is at work in general. Yeah. And but then, you don't see it kind of like specifically... No, not detailed out. That's it. And even like, you know, uh, Jesus says that um, that the Father will draw people yes. to Christ. That's right. And so what does that drawing entail? If he's drawing them to Christ, he's doing something in them, yeah. leading them. And so this could involve a lot of things, right? So in other words, they're going to hear the truth of God, yep. right? When we preach the gospel, they're going to hear, they're going to hear the good news and they should experience conviction, right? Absolutely. Some level of contrition. They might be moved to clean up their lives and yeah. in doing so find that it doesn't take away their guilt. That's right. Yeah. Sin. Um, and, and so in general, I, my understanding is that the Puritans essentially believed that when, the, when the scripture was preached and non-Christians heard it, those that were going to come to Christ, the elect, they would begin to, um, be impacted by the word of God in ways that would prepare them for the event of conversion. John Owen in um, his book on the Holy Spirit says, as the word of God is preached, certain things begin to happen in the hearers as the Holy Spirit brings the word home to them personally. These things usually happen to a person before he is born again. 
Yeah. So there is conviction. There is a working. And I, listen, I can think back. Now, I think again, maybe there's like a yearning, right? Like there's at least an openness to say, what else is there? Or what is going be on a, behind the scenes? You yeah. Know, who's behind the curtain? It could be a lot of different things, right? It could be like a, a desire to know more about God. It could yep. be questions about that. It, it, um, it could be conviction. For me, it was the more I heard the gospel as a non-Christian, the more I thought God was beautiful, the more I thought the gospel was beautiful, and the more I was convinced I was damned and that that was fair and just and good, but I didn't want it. I wanted to be forgiven, but I thought it was too far beyond me. Um, And God was stirring in me all of these things, preparing me for this event that we call, you know, the new birth, regeneration, or from our perspective, conversion, meaning faith and repentance. And so, I think, and I think you're right. Like the word of God is, at least for me, it was kind of crucial in that preparation beforehand, right? You know, I I remember even for myself, I was going to a church in town here. I uh, was part of their their youth guys Bible, or they had multiple Bible studies, um, and would sit there and listen to these stories of how, you know, Jimmy, if you just gave your life to Christ, everything would be perfect, everything would be great turn that frown upside down, you know, right, type right. type mentality and not trusting them, not believing them because experientially I've seen, you know, pain in, in people's lives or I've, I've seen it uh, or experienced it through family and, and things like that. And so I'm like, that sounds too good to be true. Um, and so just kind of looking at scripture, looking at scripture, looking at scripture to see, okay, what is it that, that God is saying is actually true here? Right about a relationship with him, I think all of that's happening. Yeah, I mean, and we, a lot of us can remember that. Yeah, right? you don't want to build your theology out on what you've experienced. Yeah, but we see it reflected in Scripture as well. And so, you know, there there are things that are happening to people before they are converted. There are, you know, from provident from God's works of providence uh, to this spiritual work of the Spirit in, yeah. in our hearts, in our lives. And if this is true, and I believe that it is, it means, like the Puritan said, no one is brought to Christ in a moment. Now, in a moment, someone is born again. They're justified in a moment, right? They are yeah, there's new, this... The conversion account, like the act of yeah. God's regenerating power happens in an instant. We believe and we are, you know, uh, we are repentant, and that happens in a moment and then continues on. But getting to that point takes time. And so the you know, guys like Thomas Boston would argue that um, it takes time to come to Christ. And now for some people, it may take a week. For some people, it, in my case, it took nine months. Yeah. Nine months of wrestling with the gospel and despairing for my soul. And it was really longer than that, if you consider the first time I started to hear the gospel. But there are things that happen to us. And in our case, Jimmy, like here in the burbs of Chicago yeah. or in the, the western cities of, of Chicago, uh, we see people come to Christ, but it doesn't happen in a moment. It takes time. No, and I think part of it is, you know, like, you know, I don't want to diminish these stories that we hear of those on the mission field, Ooh, or at yeah. least international, or you know what I mean? International to us. Uh, because I think in, in other places, it, it's much more by the grace of God, there's kind of an, an it's expedient, right? You know? Different cultures, they're different, different and they're dealing with different situations. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to contrast that with us here in the burbs where really there's a lot of, it's, it's easy. I, I don't, I don't, when I say that, please don't, dem- I'm not trying to say like your life is necessarily 
all hunky dory and and relax but i'm saying though we don't have those same in some co- some contexts we don't have the same persecution that's that that others are facing it's not uh to the same degree of hey you know i i um what's the word that people use like i i uh, stand up for christ or something like that and and now i'm beheaded or something like that right, right? or or now my family disowns me and, and i'm kicked out of the home and i've i've lost everything the stakes necessarily are not as high on a superficial i shouldn't say superficial like but on a worldly level, level temporal well, a worldly level, yeah. temporal level uh so when i say that i think here it takes because people are think that they already have it all together. Right. They already think, well, hold on, I'm not as bad as this person, yeah. or I haven't committed these sins. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to genuinely be nice to those around me. And there are a lot of non-believers that are far more caring for the underprivileged and, and poor sure. than believers are. Right. So I think with all that, then there's that sense of like, there's, What's at stake here? Like, do I really need this? Yeah, if you and you can add to that the fact that you know in our area we're talking generally middle class yeah. to upper middle class Absolutely. to wealthy. Yeah. So the felt needs of this life are you know in in many cases diminished. That's right. And so it you know to get down to the real issues that are eternal uh, can be a, a little harder. And even if we're saying that, listen, it, it, where we live, it takes in my experience, it takes about a year for a person to hear the gospel and come to Christ. Uh, now, in other cities, in other cultures, in other contexts, it may take longer. Um, and with different individuals, of course, it may take less yeah. time. But the point is, either way, that before a person is brought to Christ, it looks to me that there is some sort of preparatory work being done by the Spirit. Conviction, yeah. remorse, yeah. sensing the need, bring them to this point, and then they are... Uh, born again, and when they are born again, so like there's this work of the Spirit, and John Owen talks about this and like points of faith uh, in his book on the Holy Spirit. But there, um, you know, along the way, the, the God is at work, and then when they are born again, this is a unilateral work of God, right? Absolutely, yep. What what is what is God doing when he when he regenerates a person when he when he effectively calls them to himself and says, you are now mine and I am now yours. Well, I think you look at uh, the 1689, you look at chapter 10, paragraph one, those whom God hath predestined unto life, he is pleased in his appointed and accepted time effectually to call by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ. So there's that that dead in sin that we talked about with Adam that raised to spiritually new life in Christ. So enlightening their minds spiritually so they're now able to and savingly to understand the things of God. So now all those things that God has prepared beforehand, that's for me personally, that scripture that came to mind, almost like it, like it clicked. It's like, that's how this is all kind of working together, and it's right. pointing to this one thing. It's pointing to salvation is only found in Jesus Christ. Taking away their heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh. So now there's that desire. There's that, there's that affection for God where once we, we hated him, where we were enemies with God, we now love and desire to be close to right. our God. Renewing their will so that now we, we desire the things of God and by his almighty power, determining them to which, 
to that which is good and effectually drawing them to Jesus Christ, yet as they come most freely because that Oh, here it goes being made willing by his grace. So yeah. now we have the ability. That's the whole irony of, of the whole, at least in my mind, the discussion about free will mm-hmm. is I would look at it as, hold on, without God calling me, I, that's when I'm in bondage. Right. That's when I'm in bondage because I can't choose him. But now set I, free. I'm set free and I yeah. desire and see that which is good and pleasing and best and ultimately uh, glorious, and I desire that more. So being made willing by his grace. So it's really, you know, from our perspective, it is a, a sovereign work of God yeah. that might look different in different people's lives, right? Oh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, everybody's converted, everybody's born again, everybody comes to Christ by the power of God. But for some people, it's a very morally upright person who is maybe broken quietly internally and then uh by by the grace of god the spirit of god and he's born again and you know what maybe his life to a lot of outsiders doesn't look very different because he was a morally upright good citizen That's right. kind of a guy and then there are other people like you jimmy uh um, well, what are you talking about who, me I, i'm just saying like there's some people like you and uh when you come to christ like it's a noticeable difference in your lifestyle people can look at you and go oh jimmy's not partying anymore there was a change you know? so there was a change um but in the end People experience conviction of sin and brokenness in different ways prior to entering the kingdom of God. Absolutely. Okay. And and we see Jesus approaching people in different ways throughout his ministry. Sometimes he issues this general appeal to come to him, to believe in him. But then he oftentimes gives these really specific exhortations um, to people who are supposed to come to him because they're distressed or they're afflicted or they're burdened. Um, Sometimes he says, my kingdom is really difficult to find. Uh, Good luck. Um, (laughs) And and then he'll sometimes he'll say, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're really close. He'll tell some people to sell all they have and give it to the poor. And he'll tell other people to simply repent. You know what I mean? So Jesus seems to be interacting with people in different ways. His evangelistic approaches are varied because people are in different places and they need to be encouraged further along they need to be prepared. And since we're all in different places, I think it sometimes looks differently. And so for, in my mind, that should impact how we preach the gospel. Yeah. I think one size fits all when it comes to the gospel only counts in that you preach law, that we're condemned sinners, and then gospel, that God forgives and pardons condemned sinners only through Jesus Christ. Outside of that, you've got to tailor the gospel presentation to people so that they can properly comprehend it, so that it can be specifically applied to the specific diseases and sins in their lives so they will see their need for a Savior. And I think not only uh, how we preach the gospel, but the patience of the gospel. Oh, that's good. I think is really important here because I think oftentimes, at least for me, uh, and I think I'm not the only one, is that you want that quick conversion. Why don't they believe this? Why don't they believe now? So obvious. I've met with them for a week and a half. I met with them and I, I've explained the gospel. Have you answered all their questions, Jimmy? I've answered all their questions they to have, the best that I can. They have no legitimate, no like, legitimate okay. concerns. Why don't they believe? They, why don't they believe? What is wrong with them? Now, you know what? They're just hard-hearted and God would never call them to himself. Peace out. They, and I'm done. <laughs> right? And this is, this is listen, there's this is a long play. Yeah. This is a long. I don't want to use long con in this, but it kind of it, there's like that sense of like I'm invested. I'm invested in this person. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And that's it. I, we're going to be working together, and you know I'm going to be 
praying for this individual. I'm going to be loving this individual and I'm going to be patient with this individual. And I think that is something that's really important for us as we look along, look through this and, and talk about these things is that we have to come to the place of understanding. And I think most of us do, especially as reformed believers, that it is the power of God, that God is sovereign and that God chooses the right time. We need to be patient and trusting and have faith in that process. Right. And I think there are, God is gracious. I, I know that there's been individuals I've walked alongside. And it was, it was years of, of walking alongside them. And God was gracious and giving me glimpses, mm-hmm. giving me glimpses of, of hope of saying, look, okay, God is doing something here. God is working on their heart. God is working on their mind. God is calling this individual to himself. Um, and so we just need to be patient. We need to be patient and trusting and have faith that the God who that that God will bring it to completion. That He who began a good work in this individual will see it through to the end. And it may not be with you. You right. may have just planted that seed. And maybe you just watered that seed, and someone else is going to have that harvest. I mean, Paul talks about that with Apollos, right? Right. Uh, and so I think that's that's good to know and to understand that God may be calling you to minister in a certain way in this person's life, and that someone else will see and reap. I shouldn't say, yeah. The, the I want to be the harvester. I'm I want everyone wants not, to be the harvester, but I'm not the harvester. I get to water. You get to water. I get to plant. You get to plant. Yeah, it's not as exciting. I <laughs> you know, know, and I love <laughs> harvesting. I see, you know, all, and Joe sets them up, and I knock them down. That's kind so of so you're the, the you're the harvester. That's the Joe Fo way. You're the harvester of sorrows. Wait, what? Metallica reference. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I, I think not just how we preach it, but also the patience that we find in trusting in our sovereign it's a good word, God. Man. That's a really good word. And that, that kind of leads us into maybe one last thing we can talk about, which is, and, and I'd like us to do a video. Um, we'll do a video on this, which is basically, it's a way that I draw out on a napkin or a piece of paper um, what it means for somebody to become a Christian or what spiritual death versus spiritual life looks like. I draw this out for people that don't know Jesus. Yeah, the conversion chart? The conversion chart. So yeah. I'll draw that out for you guys in a video sometime soon. But we'll talk about one aspect of this. If we're saying we got to be patient, we got to preach law and gospel to people. Um, that means we have to be able to diagnose where they're at. So we have, to, we have to find a way to properly understand not only are they a believer or are they not a believer, yeah. but what are their hangups. And so if we're supposed to preach law and gospel, what will encourage you to lean on law with an individual versus what will encourage you to lean on gospel? They're going to have to have both. You can't get to the gospel without the law. Right until you understand your depravity, you you can't know the 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 grace and the beauty of redemption. So, how do you know? What do you see in an individual that will lead you to push on one versus another? I think I think one is actions. I guess if you're talking about law, I think I would be looking at kind of kind of their actions and their heart, um, and kind of talking about what is it about them? Like, are they are they trying to to do all this all in their own effort? Are they? Um, is there a lack of love for for neighbors or lack of love for uh, their family? Uh, I mean, are you asking where would I go in scripture or how would no, I so how like, would I discuss this with the individual? I guess is I'm I mean more to... like so when we're saying we're going to lean on law. Yeah. What I mean is is we're going to let them know we're going to help them to see that they are lawbreakers that they do not believe in God that they have rejected God with their lives and with their heart. And so you want to press on them so that they sense their guilt. What is yeah. it in an individual that moves you to say, I got to lean in on here because I don't think they get this yet? I guess I would, I would kind of, I'm thinking of, of Jesus's words uh, from the Sermon on the Mount 
and I guess it, it's all part of it's. I guess in my head, it's conversational mm-hmm. with the person. Is I would be talking with them about their life and and their heart, and I guess if someone starts to say. I kind of have this all together mm-hmm. or I, I, I know this all already or I'm, I'm not I'm not a murderer like this other individual. You know, right. I'm, not, I'm not like those guys in prison. I was like, well, have you ever hated anybody? Right. Right. Because Jesus talks about that. Or You're I'm, applying I'm, the law at that point. I'm applying the law at that point. You know, I, I, I don't. Uh, I haven't cheated on my I'm wife. I'm not cheating on my wife. But hold on. Have you, have you looked at porn? Right. Or do you lust after another? Like that, Jesus says that's still the same. So when you see pride. Pride, Yep. Um, arrogance when you when you sense this aspect of of comparative manliness or comparative godliness where the they evaluate big, yeah. they evaluate themselves based on another person so you bring the law to bear on people where there is little to no conviction mm-hmm. of sin but then when do you when do you know like wow this person is wrecked already or they're on the verge of being destroyed by the weight of their sin and their guilt you know what is it that you see in them that makes you go I got to, I got to hit them with the gospel. I mean, yeah, I think when I see that sorrow or that mm-hmm. mourning or that despair, uh, over what they have done or what they have said or, or, or how they've treated others is, is when I look at the gospel and say, well, hold on, you know, praise God because Jesus has, has paid it all right. for that. And that it's not about your perfect obedience because you cannot perfectly obey. It is the perfect obedience of Christ. Uh, and we now receive that righteousness. And so you can live free in knowing that your sins are forgiven, they have been paid, uh, and that you are you are now adopted by the Father. So this is why it's so important for us to understand where people are coming from. What aspect of reality um, are they blind to? Like, so for some people, it's the issue of guilt. Yeah. And so they need to know, understand about the grace of pardon. Um, for other people, it's hopelessness. And they're like, well, I'm, I'm so sinful. I'm so ruined. Uh, like, I don't think there is any chance for rebuilding or recourse in me, but no, but God is the one that re, mm-hmm. re renews, revives and remakes. And so the more you understand of the gospel in its various facets, the more you can apply it to specific sin issues in their lives. So let's just, let me just kind of end with this. I know, uh, we're going to get long here. We preach law and gospel to people the one thing that we do when we preach the gospel to anyone is we, we command them, we compel them, we announce, repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ and yes. you will be saved. The, to everyone who will hear us, that's what we say. Absolutely. Okay, but for those who are not repenting and believing, what words do you have for them? Is there something that they should be doing? Is there something you would like them to be doing that God might use to prepare them for the point when they will finally believe? Man, that's a good question. Let's say um, that's a good question. Let's say Sorry, this, you caught this, me off guard with that. Let's say this guy Donnie. Yep. We, we know Donnie's. I'm trying to find. A, we know everybody. Think, think of a different name. Ernest. <laughs> Ernest. Okay, Ernest. We know a guy. Oh, we don't know. Ernest goes to jail. So Ernest goes to jail, and uh, he comes out, and you share the gospel with him, repent and believe, you'll be saved, and all this stuff. And he's like, you know what, man? I just, I just don't believe. So what counsel would you give him to do? What could he be doing, not to, not to save himself, but what could he be doing, what could he be engaging in that would perhaps be what the Puritans called a path mm-hmm. to the cross? Yeah, I mean, I think I would, I would be encouraging saying, man, listen, you know, uh, none of us are, are good. None of us are perfect. And we need community. I would be encouraging you to be seeking out God's truth in God's word with God's people. That's good. And so uh, lean into that. You know, uh, 
take a look at it. Be be objective, if you will. Seek and, and pray to God and say, Lord, I, I I really don't believe, I don't see it, but if this is real and this is true, show me. And I think, you know, what we're saying is that, and, and I've seen this to be true in my case, in many other cases, uh, and I think we see this even in scripture, that God uses his word. He uses the means of yeah. grace to bring people to Christ. That's and then right. he uses the means of grace to grow people in Christ. Absolutely. So it's the word, it's prayer, it's corporate worship, it's fellowship with God's belief, with God's people. Um, you know, these things can be means by which God is exposing you to the gospel, stirring you up, convicting you of your sin, and preparing you to receive Jesus. So in the end, our big counsel, when our big uh, admonition when we're preaching the gospel is repent and believe. Mm-hmm. But what should I do now? The answer is essentially the same for Christians and non-Christians. Put yourself um, within the means of grace. Hear God's word. Read God's word. Seek God while you can. Um, and I know some of you guys are like, no one seeks after God. No, one. okay. <laughs> that, yes, that's true. No one seeks after God on their own, in their own. But the Father does draw people to Christ. Yeah. And 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 we are commanded to seek. And so seeking is a responsibility, and if we wind up doing it, it is ultimately, I think it's evidence that God is at work in us. So we, we call people to do what God calls them to do, and we find out in time that this is how God brings people to himself. Big thanks to Justin Bond of J. Bond Media, the audiovisual wizard of Doctrine and Devotion. If you've got any audiovisual photography need, hit up jbondmedia.com and he will hook you up. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can there, you can head on over to our website, doctrinedevotion.com. There you can click on the contact us page. You can sign up for our email blast or you can hit up the store and grab some great merch. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Doctor Devotion Conference next year. Details coming. 2018. 2018. Later. <laughs>